Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, the crappy quiz, and a slight tangent. Does that count? <laughs> Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Hugh O'Sullivan is with us, who until very recently was a London Irish player. Hugh, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, Jay, good. Thanks for having me. Um, so you've you've signed for Newcastle. So like that period of your career and uncertainty is is over, and um, we're delighted for you that you've got something to look forward to. But it must have been incredibly uncertain over the last six months. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I was like, as you mentioned, there, I was one of the very very lucky ones. Really, I knew that I was. I knew that I was going to be leaving the London Irish before sort of before all of the stuff really started coming into a head. So I suppose um, it all it all sort of kicked off really like we got, when we got paid late last month, and that's around the time I, when I signed with Newcastle. So I've I've comparatively and maybe compared to my teammates and all the staff at London Irish, I have been probably nowhere near as worried really because I, I knew that I could be changing clubs come uh, in July. Like so, uh, yeah, it's it's really been it's been a whirlwind, like, and the last couple of days really just been. Bit more like feeling bad, a bit of the sadness for the, for the club as a whole. Um, obviously, the, the teammates that I know quite well, but like outside of that, there's like a huge amount of staff there as well, and a big and a bit haven't been there for two years. Like you sort of you feel part of the community over there. Um, yeah, so it's 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 a lot happened very quickly, I suppose, over the last few days. But it, it has felt a bit inevitable, I suppose. Like initially, initially when you, when we were told about these American investors coming in, like it's all very promising, but. Like um, it sort of became clear, I suppose, over, uh, as the weeks went by and as things were changing that much, and like th- none of these evidence of funds that were were being promised came true. Um, I suppose like it, it didn't feel very promising at that point. I suppose, and I think then I'm not sure how, how much you're aware, but we we got a week's extension on the RFU deadline last week. Um, when the current owner McCross and he came in and paid half our wages to sort of give an extension to the to the process to try and get the deal deal done. But um like from the ORFU side and at least what they told us on their end, um the ORFU and PRL basically said like the deal wasn't nowhere near really like they hadn't got anywhere near as much as much information as they would have needed to to push the deal through. So um yeah, it's it's been a it's been a tough few weeks for sure. Can you take us back to the bit where you signed for London Irish? Um why did you end up signing for them first off and what was that like? Uh, yeah, so I, I came up to the Leinster Academy. I was in the Leinster Academy for two years and then the Leinster Senior Squad for two years. And then I um, just sort of like needed a change as well. And there was there was, there was no space for me at Leinster. So um, it was the best thing I ever did, really. Like I absolutely enjoyed my time at Leinster. Um, it was an unbelievable experience there. Some some great coaches there. It was Hugh Lancaster and Leo. But uh, it was just really what I needed to get to go abroad, to change the scenery um, and to try hopefully get more game time as well, which I, I did end up getting in London Irish. Um not that not that big a change, like only across the water really. Um but yeah, like I've, i suppose like I re- really fell in love with the club. It's it's honestly a great club. But obviously the, the London Irish the, the Irish connection is there and it's very tangible, I suppose. Like there's there's when I when I went there for the first year, Sean O'Brien was still playing there. Um like Paddy Jackson is there. A lot of guys over there have uh would be Irish qualified as well, even though they're English born with it because as they've Irish parents. Um, and even through the amateur club over there, like there's a huge Irish connection. So, um, yeah, and it was just great to experience, I suppose, uh, like the the the, the premiership over there. It's, it's, a, it's a different animal in the sense that like it's so competitive week on week. Uh, and we were very, like, we were very much like a mid-table team, I suppose, when we got over there trying to push up to, to get the top four. So every week was massive for us. Um, 
yeah so that's that was, it was a great it's a great league really and it was a straightforward decision did you have, did you have other options at the time or were, were they the ones who were best kind of plugged into the Leinster network and understood hey this guy's ready to come join us uh, yeah, well, Declan D- Kidding was there at the time, obviously, um, and, and, st- and still is, and Les Kiss was there, so he obviously would have known Leo. Um, but yeah, look, it was like it was another Premiership club, so in terms of the other options, there were like there would have been. I had no firm options elsewhere, but like it's it's not. A, it was it was a pretty good option in terms of going to the the, high, the highest league in England. So uh, I was pretty happy to go with it again. Like it's you're still sort of within the shop window and that. It's not as if you're going down to Australia and New Zealand, where like the potential would be that if you go if you go well enough over in the UK that you might get a shot back in Ireland. Um, but yeah, it was like again the I mentioned the quality of the league and, and the players over there. So it was, and sometimes you can be sort of oblivious to that when you're in the Irish system. It's all about like the, the four provinces and like and, and the Irish team as it, as it, as, it, as it should be really. But uh, like the, the depth and the quality over over in the English clubs is is, uh, is something that's I suppose it's there as well. It was I only really realised that when I went over there. And the competitiveness as well, <clears throat> Hugh, of the of the Premiership versus the URC. Like it, it, I know you, you've spoken before, but the, the jeopardy of the Premiership. It seems to be week to week always competitive I, I don't know if you had a, a difference in opinion on how the URC compares yeah I suppose um, it, it's, it's changed a small bit since I left Leinster and that I think the the South African teams coming into the URC has 100% helped the situation there um, you've also seen it like the Stormers being Stormers winning it last year and being in the final again this year um, and so I say teams during the season in the URC feel a lot more pressure um, to get results week on week and then it's also given the fact that in the club that I was like when I was with Leinster like a lot of the time like we were winning week on week on week um, and it, like a lot of the time when I got a, when I got chances to play like that we were we were already top of the table by 10 points and like it was there was a good chance we were going to win the game anyway so I suppose it was a bit circumstantial in my point of view um, in terms of I didn't really feel that jeopardy week to week when I was when I was playing in the URC but um, yeah the Premiership 100% like it's from from 10th place or it's, well, it's going to be 10 teams next year now with three teams gone having folded this year but um, whether it's uh, bottom of the league, top of the league, like there's that ability for like any, any team to turn over any team, um, even though like the likes of Saracens, Leicester are always there. So towards the top four, towards the end of the year, um, it was it's like we were as as from Irish point of view, like we were very very close to. Uh, we became fifth this year in, in, in the league. We were very very close to tipping into the to the top four for the first time in, in a long time. Um, yeah, so we're like we were right on the sort of edge of like tipping it up into the top four. So it was really sort of exciting to be in a club where like we were, you were pushing on and trying to and trying to move forward from that point of view. I know Hugh, you're saying the end came quite quickly, but actually it had been a bit of a slow car crash over the last couple of years in terms of there, there were always kind of perpetual rumours about other clubs first and whether or not the contagion yeah. would spread. So in in the in the change room on you know a training where people just chatting going, is this is everything ground here or was it was it not spoken about at all at any point until close to the end? Um I suppose you like obviously Worcester going first and then Was following that um was obviously terrible to see but uh, like it, the the model is a bit different over in, in England as as it is with the with the IRFU um like the clubs are backed by like private investors essentially like and it's not really like the provinces where they're sort of part, a lot, funded massively by the RFU so like we knew that we had the owner Mick Cross and he 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 bought the club in, in 2013 and he and he'd been there since then um like he he's, he he had said openly in the press that he was uh, open and willing to sell to sell the club to anyone who was coming to come in and willing to buy it um but like in in saying that he was also he bought the club because he was a fan of London Irish and he was injecting his funds into the club because uh, as he was a fan. Um, 
and I suppose the yeah. So he, he we've been aware that he's looking to sell the club, but he had given no indication that he was willing that he was like trying to get out of the game completely. Um, so and to be honest, when it started off, we first got wind of these new American investors or potential American investors. Maybe the first I heard of it was there maybe just after Christmas time. And like it's all like that's completely positive news because you have this uh, potential for this huge injection of funds to America. Yeah. Like that was really positive cl- uh, news for the club, um, because because you, you you take what you're told at face value in terms of like because you, you're told oh like the negotiations are ongoing, there's a good chance it's going to go through, like it's going to happen imminently. But then like that went on for six months and the thing never happened. So um, I suppose it started off being very positive news, and then as the time went on, it slowly turned into like well. Like it didn't happen, basically. So that's, um, yeah. So it's, it's it's a sad situation from that from that point of view, I suppose. Yeah. For the team to finish as high as they did with this happening in the background suggests that you'd uh, great coaches and a real proper team spirit. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I suppose it really came to a head is when we we got paid late last month. We we still had one game left, and that was like. We still hadn't been paid. It was maybe the Wednesday or the Thursday of the week, and like there was chats of like certain lads, like certain lads would, wouldn't have played, uh, maybe weren't going to play that weekend. See, that hadn't been paid, but it, we got paid in time. But yet, generally speaking, um, like the, the talent over there is phenomenal. Like the academy is like famous for some of the talent it produces year on year, um, and some of those guys like Henry Arnold is a, a name, and you might be aware of the moment like he's come to the academy. There's guys like Will Joseph as well, loads of young lads, and even guys who are playing senior team at the moment, a huge amount of those have come through the academy. Um, and the, the coach as well, as you mentioned, obviously Declan, Declan as Dio Warren Leds, but also there's, there's some great great academy coaches there um, in James Lightfoot Brown and Jonathan Fisher who were uh, instrumental in producing some of that young talent as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, like, it, look, it's again, it's, it's it's weird. It's Listen to myself say this sort of stuff because it's all... It, essentially it's all gone now because the club has gone to administration so it's um it's 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 very sad really the whole situation because all all that potential there like i i would have no doubt that the club would have pushed on and like would have challenged for top four next year um in the premiership and gone on to like push things properly in europe in the champions cup so um yeah again it's it's i i, I don't really know the next steps the club like i'm not sure that, um, make, let us know by email that the, he's basically putting the club into administration so um, yeah I'm not really sure what that means for the for, for the rest of the club but we'll see we'll see in time I think London Irish celebrate their 125th anniversary this this coming October as well Hugh like people often forget I suppose the, the impact it'll have on the fans and also the the staff because behind the scenes you, yeah. you forget about all the people that, that work with a with the club we, we see the players and the coaches obviously from at the forefront but I'm sure there's a lot of people disappointed at the club and gutted yeah um, like as I said at the outset like I'm very much in the, probably the best position here given that I know I'm, I'm going to Newcastle and that like I, I don't have I don't have kids I don't have a mortgage to pay there's all this sort of stuff going on like um but other guys, like there's older guys in the team who have who, who definitely who, who have kids to look after who have mortgages to pay um, the staff you mentioned there, like I know one of the coaches, Declan Danaher, his partner is also employed by the club, Jody's a physio. They had a kid three months ago, four months ago, and now they're both left out of a job with a mortgage to pay and a, and a kid to look after. So, um, like there's there's numerous stories like that. Like it goes beyond just the professional team as well. There's like there'll be community coaches involved in that who who go out and do like community work in the sort of a region around London Irish and where we're based out in South West London. So, um. 
yeah, the, 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 it's just like I'm not sure. It's probably up to like 50, 60 employees. Maybe I could be. I could probably undershoot that. To be honest, probably more. Um, all of all of him lost the jobs really. Like so, uh, and it's, it's the sudden nature of it really. Like that. That's I suppose that's why the ORFU put in the deadline of of um at the end of the month to give the like to give the players some certainty. What they wanted to avoid was us going like starting off middle, the next season and then folding two weeks in. So. Um, so as that did help us, but still, it's it's still a massive shock. Um, There's a story for all. The, yeah, yeah it, it's horrific for all those people. It's like <clears throat> this isn't sport for them; that's their their livelihoods. It's totally different. There, there is a story in the um, <clears throat> pardon me in the Telegraph today, which is also carried in the Irish Independent, that the IRFU have had preliminary talks with the Rugby Football Union about getting involved in London Irish. Um, as somebody who's come through the Irish rugby system and understands it intimately, what's your instinct about that? Yeah, so I I was listening this morning. So I heard I heard you mention that was the, it was the first it was the first I've heard of it. But um, yeah, it, it's something I I would have thought made sense. Like um, having come across him and um, the the one thing I would say that, or how I would have viewed it initially was maybe like there being a partnership there where like because I know there's such a there's such a huge amount of players coming through the academy systems in Ireland um, and like effectively like there's no there's no room for them in the provinces. Like they can't get sufficient game time. And so what I would have seen as was maybe like some sort of relationship where they sent players across to, to play over here. Um, but obviously the, what you what you described there, what's being reported is a bit more substantial than that. Um, but what what I would say is that like, and I, which I've experienced since I went over to London and became part of the club is that like London Irish as an entity of itself is like, it's huge. Um, and from their point of view, like the provinces aren't really like, when you go up in Ireland, you come, you play rugby in Ireland. Like the provinces are huge, but London Irish is their own entity. It's a club. They're fully focused on the on the Premiership. So, um, and I, like I mentioned, the academy sister earlier on, like does it, it's it's a huge entity of itself. Like like you couldn't just like die for you. It wouldn't work in my opinion where the IRF just come in and buy it and like take over com- completely the running of it. Like there's a huge region over there. There's a huge fan base. All the staff. The academy system there has been built up over years, and that, like um, as Shane said earlier on, there's, there's 125 years of history of the club there. So yeah, um, so you can't just wipe that out, and you need to no, no. find a way to accommodate the local fans who are fans of London Irish who might have no connection with Ireland, and also those kids who are coming up and want to play in the Premiership and who have no interest in playing for Ireland because they're English. Yes, because essentially they they understand the Irish connection, but like. The, they're English, like to be blunt about it. Yeah. They might have some. Some of them have English parents, but really they're English. They want to. They want to play with England. Um, when they grow up, like, and they want to play with Irish and then play with England. Yeah. So that's yeah. As you said, there you can't come over and just wipe that out. There has to be some level of uh, of to and fro there. I think. Okay, and one last one for you. Um, has preseason started for Newcastle yet? Are you? Um, starts starts next Monday. Yeah. So I'm right. flying over to London on on, a, on Friday and then driving up. So yeah, for, for, it'll be a long preseason now with the. The World Cup um, sort of extends the or delays the start of the season proper, so it's, it'll be a two-month-long preseason, I think. So, right. yeah. oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's the competition like for a starting berth in Newcastle? Uh, yeah, so there's been a lot of change there this year. Like, there's a new head coach coming in, Alex Codling, and generally amongst the playing group, there's been a lot of change. So, um, yeah, hoping again, like uh, towards the end of the season, I wish I. I did start to play. I played a bit more regularly, got a few starts in, on the bench in the Premiership. So, um, hoping to sort of continue that up in Newcastle. Um, and again, like a team, there are teams probably towards the lower the lower end of the league, but pretty exciting with the new coaches coming in. Alex, um, I knew from, from when I was younger, and a lot of new players coming in. That, um, yeah, sort of, I'm starting a bit of a new project there. So, um, 
yeah, really looking forward to it. Wish you the very best of luck, Hugh. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers. Cheers, Jerry. Thank you. It's uh, Hugh O'Sullivan, who uh, latterly was playing for London Irish, who now, of course, unfortunately don't really exist in the same format anymore. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.